Hey, it's Alan Berg. Are you coming to Wedding MBA this year? Well, I'll be there again. I haven't missed one since the first one in 2007. So I look forward to seeing you there. And if you want to save $20 off the current ticket price and they get higher as you get closer, go to WeddingMBA.com. Use the promo code Alan, A-L-A-N. WeddingMBA.com, promo code Alan, save $20. I look forward to seeing you there. Before we get into this episode, I'm starting something called Ask Me Anything. That's right. You submit your questions and they could become an entire episode or something that I answer at the end of an episode. To submit your questions, look for the red button at podcast.allenberg.com. That's right, podcast.allenberg.com. Click on the red button, submit your question, and maybe you'll hear it here on the podcast. Thanks. Raising your prices. When is the right time? How do you do that? You're going to want to hear my next guest because he's done it, I've done it, and you can too. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg. I'm a speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, and I help businesses like yours sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Hey, it's Alan Berg. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I am so happy to finally have my friend Eric Rhodes on to talk about pricing. How you doing, Eric? Doing wonderful, Alan. Thanks for uh, having me on. Well, you and I were, I don't know if we were, when we were sitting at the bar in Orlando, cause we just ended up at the same conference together for, like randomly or if we're back and forth, but we wanted to talk about pricing because your pricing has certainly gone from uh, where you started to a place you never thought it would be, or didn't know how to get there. I think is better, better thing like that. But for everybody listening here, who's heard me talk about pricing, and I know you've heard it at conferences and stuff. And I talk about everybody can raise their prices and I prove it because if you raised your price by a dollar. Everybody who's saying yes now would still say yes, right? So, so we, you, you know, you can raise them. The question is how much. But let's let's roll this all the way back. So, first of all, uh, tell everybody, you know, where you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am in Boise, Idaho, and I am a professional DJ. I've been a DJ since 2000. I started in college as a just kind of a mixed DJ, having fun, doing it in my bedroom and at house parties, and has now evolved to. Um, me owning, having a big brand on social media and, and traveling, um, the world DJing for a living. It's amazing. Right. So first of all, if you didn't hear that, he's in Boise, Idaho, he's not in New York city. He's not in Chicago. He's not in London. He's in Boise, Idaho, beautiful place, but it's not the big city. Right. And the kind of pricing that you're able to command now is more than most people in those cities that I mentioned, but let's roll this back. So you started out in college. Um, how did you end up doing is weddings, uh, most of what you do or uh, other types of events? It used to be, so okay. my, my, my business from 2011 to pretty much up till last year was primarily weddings. Okay. So how did you start doing weddings? Well, I DJed for about a decade, um, just for fun. I played, you know, party music at lounges, clubs, house parties. And then in 2010, a buddy of mine said, Hey, I need some help with a wedding. I have one I can't do. Do you want to do it? I think it's a kind of a common story for a lot of DJs. And I was like, I don't want to do a wedding. What are you, talk- you talking about? I'm too cool for that. And uh, But I did it and I actually had a ton of fun and loved it. And in it, at the time I was working in TV news as a videographer and a producer, wasn't really happy with my job. 
And one day I did a party for the news station and it went really well. And one of the main people there came up to me the next day and said, you crushed it. Like, basically, what are you doing here? <laughs> you could do this full time. And that just sparked me. I said, yeah, why not? Why not start my own business? So in 2011, I started Rhodes Entertainment and really haven't looked back. So there's a lot of very common themes there, no matter what you do, right? Uh, wasn't happy with my job doing this other thing already on the side, really enjoyed that. Somebody said, hey, can you do this? You weren't looking for the wedding. Somebody came to you, hey, can you do this? And then all of a sudden you're doing weddings. I mean, I could say every photographer, I probably listening, every videographer, I have a cake baker. She said, after I got downsized for like the third time and had been baking cakes and everybody loving her cakes at work, she's like, maybe I should be making cakes, right? (laughs) Like this, this is my thing. So a quick sidebar here. The first wedding you did to weddings you do now, what do you know now about doing weddings that you didn't know at that first wedding? Oh man, there's so much, honestly. I I didn't realize the level of detail and involvement that all vendors have with weddings. I, you know, the first wedding I did, I showed up and I just took my friend's playlist and played it. I was like, that's cool. That was easy. Uh, but then I realized once you get into your own and people are hiring you to do this, you, you have to be, pay attention to details of the timeline and who the clients are and their guests. And there's just a lot of, a lot of detail and, and experience and knowledge that has to go into, um, and skill that has to go into doing a wedding. And that's what I like to tell people that it just starting with DJ, you could be a really good DJ, really good club DJ, know how to read the crowd, read the music, you know, it, it, pick your music and all. But this timeline you talked about, this interaction with other people, when you're at a club, you are the focus, right? You're the you're the person making this happen. But all of a sudden, there's the caterer, the photographer, the planner, the, the right, all these other people involved, and things are happening. And to be a really good wedding DJ takes a different skill. It's not the DJ skill; it's the other skill. But there's also all that time you spend. Before you go to an event, um, I think I told this story the other day, but I was at an event. I was going to be at an event. I already speaking a couple of times and the promoter said, Hey, could you do another presentation for us? And I said, I don't have the time. And they said, well, it's only 45 minutes. I said, no, I have the 45 minutes. I don't have the 30 hours, right? The 30 hours. I, I, I was supposed to be on jury duty this week and I got excused. So I thought I had this whole free week and I have all these presentations to work on and I'm working all day on these presentations that are going to be 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. I'm, I'm working hours and hours and hours. And that's what people don't see why it looks so good. looks so easy, right? <laughs> that's what yep. it is. All that's that time it. in your bedroom, right? All that time in your bedroom and, and doing all this kind of stuff there. So, so you started your business, right? Rhodes Entertainment, you started your business. Was it just you or did you have anybody else with you? Were you a multi-op, a single op? Just myself. Yep. Okay. Uh, on purpose, did you not want to have anybody else or... Um, I was pretty ignorant. I actually, I just, I just thought I, I want to do this and I want to make money doing it. I want to replace my income. So it started out as just myself and eventually led to me trying to grow a multi-op, but okay. that was down Try- a couple years later. Trying to, or did? <laughs> yeah. If that well, So that story is, I think like a lot of people you get, you know, a couple of years into it, I started getting so many leads that I couldn't do them. And take them all. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do? I'm leaving money on the table. I'm going to start bringing in some subcontractors and some DJ friends of mine. But I had, I don't know, I guess a, a an expectation of how I wanted them to be. So I was choosing some of the best in my area 
but they didn't want to be employees. They wanted to kind of do their own thing. So I struggled with that and eventually started to hire some people and train some people. What I found is that I did not enjoy that. And I set it up. I won't get into the details of the business model, but I set it up in a way that didn't really pay me. So I ended up after, I think it was 2019, I did all the math. I had four people working for me and through training and doing all the contracts and just everything that I was doing to to run this multi-app outside of my talent fee, I was making minimum wage. And (laughs) and so I had some, you know, I had a business coach helping me and I thought, okay, I need to do something different. And I decided I'm going to get rid of the multi-op. And this is actually a good turning point. This is a great turning point for me, um, especially financially, is I I got rid of everything that I didn't like doing, um, having photo booths, having extra, you know, worrying about gear and selling that and people. And I focused on what I truly loved, went back to my roots, which was truly music, DJing, customer service, helping people. Um and when I did that, my business started to skyrocket because right. I was not pulled all these different directions and stressed and unhappy. And, and, and then that was when I was able to really start making good money, actually, and uh, feel f- more fulfilled with what I was doing. So this episode is supposed to be about pricing, but it's also about scaling because you just talked about scaling up and down, which I love hearing stories of people who scale down intentionally because yeah. you did it to find it not only financially, but to find your own joy, right? Uh, just, just to be happier about what you do. I made a decision not to be a multi-op. I'm doing air quotes because I'm a speaker and a consultant and a trainer, but the same idea because I don't want to do that. I don't want to have somebody out there with my brand on them because they're not me, right? And people are hiring me for me. They're hiring you for you. So let's talk yeah. about pricing. At the point that you went to, let's go first, from you to multi-op, were you charging the same for the other people as for you? Uh, when I was multi-op, uh, I honestly don't remember. I think I was charging the same. Yeah, I was char- probably like $1,000 or something like that. And they would get, you know, six or $700 and I'd get three. But yeah, I think I was charging the same at the beginning. Okay. So $1,000, but you had told me that you had a goal for yourself that you wanted to be $5,000. And that's a, that's a long way from a thousand dollars to get to $5,000. What was your plan to go from a thousand to get yourself to 5,000? The plan was a couple things. One, to incrementally do it. So test the waters mm-hmm. at 500. Um, maybe if my 2018 was looking kind of full and it wasn't even in the end of the year yet. Any leads that came in, I would experiment with getting my price higher. At the same time, I was working on my skills. So I was working on how do I, how do I be better at customer service? How do I make people feel, you know, like luxurious when they're working with me? Um, How do I also improve my master ceremony skills and what, what, what little things can I do to make myself better and more desirable. Um, and then my s- social media skills, like how do I present my brand to look more elite working on my website? Like all those things I knew I had to incrementally get better at. So that was the the idea was just to gradually work my way up. Right. But you also said you're also doing the work there. So, so too many people think I can just raise my rate and that's it, which by the way, you all can raise your rate to get more from what you're doing now. But you also said, I want to deliver more. And you use the word luxury, right? If you're trying to get a luxury price, you want to deliver a luxury experience. 
Um, if you haven't heard this story, when Lexus cars first came to the U.S. a long time ago, they had to design showrooms. So they, of course, looked at BMW and Mercedes, I'm sure, but they looked at Ritz-Carlton and said, where do our customers shop, eat, stay? What is the experience they have for shopping, right? They're shopping for a car. And they had a concierge at the at the Lexus dealer and things that others, now that I'm sure they all do it, but at the time, nobody else did. Because you're looking for a luxury customer. They expect luxury experience. They expect to be responded to in a certain way in a certain time frame. Dressing your website for success, not dressing yourself for success, right? It's it's all part of that. So if you're listening here, we're not telling you just raise your rates because you want to raise your rates. Besides the fact that most of you can do that anyway, because you probably have room. But if you want to get to the next level, you want to cross over whatever that boundary is, you have to do something else besides that. Um, I remember somebody saying to me one time, Alan, you're, you're probably our most expensive speaker, but you're the easiest to do business with. And I said, well, good, because if I'm the most expensive and the hardest to do business with, I wouldn't have much work, (laughs) right? That's it. That's it. So they ask for something, they get it right away. I I, I go above and beyond. I I was at a client and I started setting help. People were setting stuff up. I started helping. They're like, you don't have to do this. I said, yeah, I know, but you need help. So let's do it, right? People remember stuff like that. Okay. So $1,000, go ahead. I was just going to add on to that. So you you mentioned you know getting over the barrier, but also people have room to raise their rates. There was a point where I was twenty five hundred and I wanted to be thirty five hundred. And I was talking to my business coach about this. And I'm like, okay, so what what can I provide to make it so people know, like or feel like they're getting more value? And she opened my eyes and said, you don't need those people that haven't reached out to you yet have no idea what you provided, how much you charged. Most of them don't know any of that. So if you say 3,500, you're 3,500. You don't have to figure out how do I add a thousand more dollars of value right. to what I provide. Maybe you just are worth 35 and you've been 25. Right. So that's when I started to experiment. And um, within a month, I was at four <laughs> because I thought <laughs> I, I was, I thought 25 was what I was worth, but really I was worth way more than that. And um, I didn't well, see it. Right. Well, and the thing, the people that would pay 4,000 would pay 2,500. Or some of them would pass you by at twenty five hundred because they don't think you're good enough because they want they they think you know the higher price the better yeah. you are. Uh, there was a I, I've mentioned this before, but there was a, an economist Thorsten Veblen V E B L E N and this thing if you ever hear something called the Veblen good, Veblen goods are things that are desirable because of the high price, right? Yeah. So the Bugatti Chiron for two point six million dollars that's they're all sold before they come off the assembly line. Because the people want it because they can afford it and other people can't, right? A, a Birkin handbag for $20,000 with a waiting list, right? If that came down to 2000 the people that can afford the 20 don't want it anymore. Nope. Because anybody with a credit card, you know, not saying you should, but you could do it. 2000 you throw on the credit card. 20000 well, you get a different credit card to do that, right? Exactly. So you become more desirable at a certain point because of the high price. So I found the same thing. I was afraid to go from, you know, up by that thousand dollars and the people that were paying my number will are paying the next number, but the people that wouldn't pay the lower number, of course, they're not going to pay the higher number. They're not your customer for this particular thing anyway. So that's a good lesson for everybody here. Do you have room right now because you're just underpriced? That's different than I want to provide a different type of value, different type of service. So I'm going to go up higher, right? Are you underpriced? And the answer is most people in our industry are. Uh, I remember a DJ came to a mastermind day, did Eric, 
Um, and he hadn't raised his rights in years because he was on the radio and, you know, that's his main gig and he loved doing the weddings and stuff. And he just never raised the rates, just never thought about it. It's like, yeah, this is great. Right. He doubled his price, doubled it right from one day to the next. And like you said, the next person doesn't know what your rates were yesterday. They only know what your rates are today. Meets with two people the next day. They both book them right at double the price. And he's like kicking himself. Now, why didn't I do this before? Right. So we have so much, we have so much control over what we're worth. And we, I think, tend to hold ourselves back and and worry about maybe what other people will think, or I worry first that they're going to say no. And I started to switch, go, no, they're going to say yes. And if they don't, I'll keep trying and figure out how do I get that. From and, and, and how you know that the price is right to quote the game show, how you know that the price is right is when the customer says yes. Right. Because they're seeing the value. See, we as businesses get to set the price. We have to set our own prices, especially for service businesses. Right. But we, you can't base it on cost. Right. Because you don't have the hard good cost. You're basing it on the value that the customer perceives for the results that only you can provide. Right. That's why in my new book, Stop Selling and Help Them Buy, the phrase in there, don't sell the services, sell the results. Right. Sell the results, sell the results. It's just constantly throughout the book because when they hire you, They've chosen not to hire 99.99999% of everybody else that was available. And it's because they think that the results they're going to get are the result, the results they want are the results they can only get from you. And therefore, they have to pay your price to get them. Right. So, have you, at what point do you feel like you priced yourself out of, like you mentioned to me just before that you're doing a local wedding and you haven't done a local wedding in a while? Because is that because of price or just because of demand? Uh, well, I guess it's both. So the wedding I'm doing this weekend is, well, for people who don't know me. So I, I basically blew up on social media back in 21 to 22. Um, and so now I'm getting this nationwide and somewhat worldwide recognition and desire. So at that point I was able to really jack my rates up and that's on my site website. So I think I am getting local people coming to my site, but I've outpriced myself locally. Um, So it's not that I'm not, yeah, it's definitely price. And, but now I'm still, I still have a full calendar. I'm just traveling a lot and doing events in other markets. Right. And and something to understand that I, I, the same thing with me, I rarely ever work locally here in New Jersey. Um, And what was, was it in the Bible? What is it? You're an idiot in your own village and a prophet in the next one. I think that was, isn't that something? I think that was in the Bible. Uh, Somebody will, somebody will fact check me on that. But, um, but, you know, locally people like, oh, it's Alan. I've known Alan for 20 years, for 30 years. It's just Alan, right? It's just Eric, right? You know, how many years ago you were getting a thousand dollars to do a wedding. And now Mm -hmm. when you're getting a a very large multiple of that (laughs) to to do a wedding. But what people also have to realize is that when you fly someplace, it's three days of your time just mm-hmm. for doing the event, not including the 30, 40 hours of prep. It's three days of your time. So yes, it's it seems like a lot of money, but it's not just driving down the street, right? It's it's all of that other stuff that goes with it. And then you you must have to rent equipment when you go places and stuff. I'm sure you don't schlep everything around with you, right? Correct. Yeah. So we <laughs> yeah, all that equipment's outsourced from a the, the local area. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that's part of what you do. So, so a thousand dollars, you had this goal of $5,000. Uh, you were, you just said that you were at 4,000 and this is going from what, 2018, 2019 now to, I think I got four in, it took me a long time. I think it was 20, 
20 when I started okay. um, pricing for 2021. Okay. Is when I started going to 35, 4,000, pressing right. that 5,000 mark. Right. Uh, and it took a lot of confidence and everybody was saying yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep raising and let's see where we can take this. Now, what was, how many events were you trying to do back then per year? Uh, about 30. Right. So this is an important point. Also, you have more pricing power when your inventory is lower and somebody says, I want to do hundred events a year. Well, you think about it. There's about 25 really popular Saturdays in every market, right? It's going to be different. Like right now we're recording this in August, not so much in Arizona. They're not doing too many weddings in Arizona, but February they're blowing up. We're in Idaho, not blowing up weddings in February. <laughs> Definitely not. Right. So, but, but every market has this 20 to 30 really popular dates. I call them your A dates or A plus dates. And to limit your inventory to 30 gave you a pricing power that other people didn't have when they're trying to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because you know, to fill those other dates, you have to find more people, do more marketing, do more advertising. So you can also kiss a few more frogs to find a, a few more princes and princesses, right? Yeah. But doing that. So that I, I had a DJ was going from part-time to full-time. And I asked him, how many weddings do you want to do next year? And he said, as many as possible. I said, eh, wrong answer. You don't know your inventory, right? Yeah. If you don't know your inventory, that's it. So, uh, so your price is, is, was the same for any day of the year, right? Uh, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At 30, you can, you can do that. Somebody asked me one time, you know, do you have a high season and a low season for pricing? I said, no, I'm available or I'm not right. That's what it is. And if I'm available for the date, this is the price. And if I'm not, I'm not that that's it. I don't have to have that because my inventory is low enough uh, to do that. Yeah. So, so for people who don't know the TikTok DJ, as uh, Eric and I were sitting at a bar in Orlando, just having dinner, having a drink, and just people sit down next to us. The guy looks over, goes, goes there, you the TikTok DJ? <laughs> and you are the TikTok DJ. So okay. how did this happen? Uh, you know, when I scaled down, I gave myself a lot of opportunity and time to figure out how I, can I market myself better and work on skills. And one of the things I did in, in um, spring of 2021 was start making TikTok videos of me mi mixing one song into the into another and it took off really fast and within a year I had a million followers on TikTok and um at that point then I started getting a lot of national attention um leads coming in from everywhere it was quite overwhelming in the beginning uh and and since then, I've just kept working and pushing at that and having a ton of fun with it. And it's just created a lot of opportunity. But really, it was is being taking that that time to figure out what's what's going to work for me to help grow my brand and just go all in on it and be very consistent and patient. And the mixing of the two songs together, which I love. I love watching them. You know, I comment on them sometimes. Yeah. Um, is that just something that you just enjoyed doing? Or did you say, I need to do something for social? It's going to be this. I enjoyed doing it. And I was making mixes for this app called Mixcloud. And so it was like 45 minute workout mixes, sometimes a wedding mix. And I'd get, you know, 20 listens on this mix that I spent hours putting together. And I thought, how can I show this to people? And if I tried to just, you know, share the, the Mixcloud link on Facebook or Instagram, they would, the algorithm wouldn't show it to anybody. So I thought, okay, I'm going to show them a set a clip of that mix. So I just would put my put my camera up and say, all right, I'm gonna mix this song into this song, check it out. And I put it first in my stories and I got a lot of attention. Reels, same thing, people that I didn't even know 
you know, a photographer from the South was commenting like, this is amazing. I love it. Wish we could work with you. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? And that's when I knew I was onto something. And um, yeah, so it was more something I loved to do and just experimented with it. And because some of them are, some of them are real fun where you're just putting two songs together that you wouldn't think would go together. And then you you see, you do it. You're like, well, that works. Wait a minute. (laughs) That, That works. So it's it's opened up a lot of my creativity over the year, like past couple of years. And, and the million followers, did you do anything to fuel that or it just happened on its own? Pretty much just consistently posting only a few times a week is how it started. So I I started May, May 4th, 2021. And by July, I think I had 40,000 followers because I had a video go viral and then it was kind of mellow. I just kept posting, didn't get a lot of growth. And then a couple more videos popped off towards the end of the year. And by January 1st, 2022, I had 100,000 followers. Then I I got into the country and hip hop <laughs> blends in right. spring of 2022. And I had two videos go mega viral. And that's when my follower count really jumped. And then I took, that's how I got the 1.2 million. And then I decided I want to do this on Instagram too. So I took Basically everything I did on TikTok repurposed it in August, September of 20 of last year and have grown that to over 300,000 followers just by, right. but you didn't use another company to help you grow this. This was just all happening. No, organically. This is all just raw. Right. Like in the right. beginning, I didn't even connect my audio to my phone. It was all from a speaker, <laughs> no, no ring light. Like it was really raw and I hate looking at it. It's kind of cringy, but it worked and people loved it. And I think that was but- it. I was connecting with them. Right. And again, timing is everything, right? I mean, it, it was sure. people locked down looking for stuff to do and all that. So uh, obviously this is something that everybody can't emulate, which is all of a sudden going viral on TikTok, which lets you now get a multiple of the number you thought you were going to get. But I think that the lesson here is, you know, the thousand that got you to 4,000 to 5,000 or whatever that number, like I, I, I want to get to this number in Boise, Idaho, right? You were getting 4,000 in Boise, right? Yeah. And that was before... <laughs> I had, yeah, before TikTok, I had uh, friends in Dallas and other cities go, man, Eric Rhodes in Boise, Idaho is getting more than a lot of DJs in bigger cities. Right. I'm just taking risk. And it's because people will pay for that. And I think we get in our own way. But yes, Boise, people, Idaho. but people will pay for the results they want, which is you as opposed yes. to someone else. And uh, so when I tell people you should know what everybody else charges. Because it's good to know what the the landscape is like, but you don't set your price based upon other people. If you did, you'd still be at a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, right? So if if they don't feel they can get more, if they're going after a different end of the market or whatever, or they they want to be big volume or something, which you found wasn't the right answer for you, bigger volume meant less time and money for Eric. That's not a good combination. Um, And uh, I, I have friends that have scaled their, actually I've had people on here have scaled their businesses down on purpose for the same reason, right? You're keeping more of the money. You're having more time for the things that you want to do family and stuff like that. So in terms of raising your rates, so anybody listening here, what give one piece of advice to anybody who's listening here. doesn't matter what they do in the wedding and event industry. To raise your rates. One piece of advice. I have several, but if I had to give one, I would say, it's so simple, but just, just experiment and try the time that I would experiment and try was usually at the end of the summer when I started to fill my next year calendar a little bit. And I knew that 
I was going to get a big influx of leads come January, early part of the year. So I had sort of a safety net to go, okay, if I'm at 2,500, I can try 3,000 right now because if these people all say no or whatever, I have some time to figure out why I can work on maybe a skill or uh, whatever it is. And then I'm also going to get this sort of predictable influx of leads that will still help me fill my calendar. So I, I was cautious about how I raised them in the beginning. And that for me served me well. I kind of wish I was more aggressive at looking back, but um, it worked. It's worked. So I hear that all the time. I wish I did this last year. I wish I did this, right? All, all that stuff. Yeah. So good news is this is coming out. People are listening now at first in October, which is a great time. What does your next year look like already? You're going to have the Thanksgiving through Valentine's Day as your engagement season, right? Yeah. So now is a time if your next year is already looking okay, you know, take the chance, right? You yeah. can always cut, you can always pull back. You can always pull back. Um, and you can be aggressive. You can be not aggressive, right? You raise it a little bit, nobody box. That means you have pricing power. You raise it a little, nobody box. By the way, that's a good sign. You have pricing power. If nobody is really saying no, right? If, if nobody, if you're not getting any resistance at all, if you're not getting like, oh, really? Hmm, it's that much, right? You want to get at least a little reaction. Uh, otherwise, if, if they're like, oh, that's all, <laughs> then you're definitely not charging enough. And yeah. I know people have lost business because they were too cheap. Their quality was so good, but they just weren't valuing it themselves. So we could yeah. talk about this forever, but we will not because uh, I want to respect everybody's time and your time as well. Thank you for sharing your story. In the show notes, there'll be more about Eric, um, how to follow him, how to be his 1 million and something follower on uh, TikTok and whatever. Um, and uh, next time we're at a bar, I want to see how many people come over and, and say, hey, is the, are you the TikTok DJ there? So yeah. thank you so much for joining me, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. appreciate you. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. If you'd like to make a suggestion for a topic or for a guest, you can do that with Ask Me Anything on the button at podcast.allenberg.com. And if you'd like to find out about having me do sales training or speaking for your group or association, and that could possibly be for free, we have some good ideas, contact me at alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode and hearing your suggestions. Thanks.